0: Hello, and welcome to BCP, the business continuity podcast from Inveroy Crisis Management. Today, I'm joined by Kirsty Bremner, who is the manager of Inveroy Digital. In the normal structure of our podcast, we start by the idea of looking at what's caught our attention in the news over the last few weeks and what might that mean for the business continuity professional or the resilience professional or even just the business manager. We'll then take a small pause of a few seconds, and then I'll have a conversation with Kirsty about her role uh, within Inverroy and what that means and what it uh, has meant for her uh, within her career development as a resilience professional. So starting with that first piece of what's caught your attention in the news, Kirsty, what have you seen that uh, has caught your eye um, from a resilience perspective?
1: Um, hi Matthew, and delighted to be on the podcast today. Um, there has been rather a lot in the news recently, I think everyone has seen um, various different aspects across um, the globe, but I think the main one that's really stood out for me is the conflict that's currently going on in Ukraine um, with Russia, and in particular what impact that has on the food crisis. Um, as many of you know, um the Ukraine um have a big percentage of grain exports, particularly to Africa and the Middle East. Um and I think it's really interesting to see how they're working with this um currently and how how the conflict has impacted these exports to um to these countries. Um I'm not sure what your thoughts are on that, Matthew, but um the, 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 I, the statistics I, I, are quite strong. Yeah, I think it? that's
0: a really um important point, and obviously our attention was caught with refugees in the early days of the crisis, and you know the the horrific images that we see every night on the news of 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 war you know that that's what war is it's death and destruction um but I was fortunate to to have gone on a um, piece of work in ukraine a few years ago now, and I remember driving past fields of sunflowers and it's now that you then go, oh, right, that's our sunflower oil. Um, And if we're thinking that in the UK, what about all the other countries that they, I'm sure I read there are 25 million tons of grain that's waiting to be shipped. Well, that's a lot of grain. And and there are countries that are reliant on that. and then the second order issue of well who's planting next year's crop you and where where does that go and how long does the grain that's last year's crop this 25 million tons last before it goes off and has to be thrown away so uh you know that if you are already on subsistence living and now you haven't got any food coming in you will we'll all remember back to the arab spring and the uprising caused um you know, is it 10 years ago now? Um, well, what does it take in Maslow's hierarchy of needs? You know, food is the basic, isn't it? So if we can't get that right as a as a, you know, the world's food provision, um, everything else crumbles around our ears, doesn't it? And it, it's not just Russia, Ukraine that's um, impacted, it's everything. So, uh, no, interesting point. And, and I guess that has a knock on even if you're a company in the UK or, or you know, where there isn't an immediate impact, because your supply chain might come from that, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah, no, definitely, it's, it's that domino effect, isn't it, of how this one thing is then going to knock on different on different doors. So yeah, and I think the supply chain is is massive, and we saw it with the Suez Canal. I think that definitely raised a lot of people's awareness of supply chain issues and how important it is to have them to to check them audit them and make sure you have backup plans in place um so it, yeah no i think definitely um concentrating on supply chain and just actually looking at exactly where your suppliers get their their supply from yeah. <laughs> the list is almost endless so um yeah and no you you're absolutely
0: right the, the supply chain rigour um checking your what i think they call tier 2 tier 3 sort of suppliers so it's it's okay, we get our, our widgets from this company, but okay, where do they get their raw materials from? And if, if there's a vulnerability because the people that get their raw materials are starving and therefore not looking at going to work, they're looking at feeding their family, suddenly everything just slows down, doesn't it? And what you expect to be arriving on that vessel into the port of Tyne or wherever it might be, isn't going to be on that vessel. And it has that ripple effect all the way down the line. Um all generated by two countries fighting Um, and we see it at the petrol pumps we see it everywhere we turn that 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 impact um, has and it it struck me on the news today uh, in the UK the interest rates go up to 1.25 percent and I think in our conversation before you talked about inflation according to the Guardian is looking at going up to 11 percent in the UK uh, by October Um, you know, these are figures that we've not seen for decades. Um, you know, inflation at eleven percent. And you know, that has an impact and then public sector pay awards, people being less affluent relative to where they were, you know, previously, and that sort of ripple effect down. Um, have you seen any of that in your travels or, or picked anything up on the news in particular?
1: Yeah, no, I have. I think the the finance piece has definitely been prominent as, and you can see now a, a lot um, more clearer is the increase in in food prices as well, as well as like you say with fuel as well. Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see, um, especially people of my generation, so sort of early to mid 20s who haven't really lived through a recession like our our parents or grandparents have, is how we handle that, how we handle that differently. Um, so I think I think, yeah, no, it's definitely definitely up there as one of the biggest impacts in how businesses can then combat that with the price increased price of living while also um while also managing to keep salaries up and then um and then of course with your services too. So it's that whole balancing act really of keeping everything keeping everything afloat. Um so. Yeah.
0: And and we're in the summer at the moment. So rent um rent is one thing and, and mortgage um going up as an interest rate goes up but uh, when we come around to the winter and then going back to heating your house you know if the the impact of last winter had and and everyone's um, fuel costs going up you know it's bad enough if you are a homeowner home dweller as we all are we all live in our home and we we can then do something about it by you putting on an extra jumper or putting a blanket around us or whatever it might be when you're working from home OK, I now can't say, well, I can turn the heating off during the day and go to the office because I need to heat my house whilst I'm in it. So this sort of hybrid working that was you know, applauded two years ago of, all, oh, it's lovely to be at home. Yeah. But the money that I was saving in my commuting costs, I'm now paying in my heating costs. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sat at home not meeting anybody. Um, hmm, where would I where do I need to be? So it's there's lots of issues I think that are going to be coming up in the in the next few months um, and from a business continuity professional point of view things like these fuel increases uh cause people to think about you know, what what do I need to be able to to include in my pay packet to be able to afford the things that I was affording if I can't get it from my current employer can I move and go to somewhere else and then you've got staff churn and loss of nor- core knowledge um, type risks that uh, you know, the person that you thought was great, well, if you think they're great, someone else will think they're great and they'll be able to go and get that that package somewhere else. And it just has a, that impact, doesn't it? So um, I was reading an article called uh, The Great Resignation, um, uh, which is a BBC online article and was talking about people leaving because they got quite used to furlough, and So instead of saying, well, I'll you know, go back to work, I'll, I'll retire early. So again, that, that sort of those opportunities that uh, the news reported the other day that for the first time ever, there are more vacancies there and there are people to fill them. So it's a an exciting market if you're looking for a job, which is a terrifying market if you're looking to retain people and yeah. the, all your costs are going up everywhere else. Um, you know, that squeeze ends up with uh, you know, someone has to pay that money, and is it your clients that are going to be charged more, or are you now going to the bank for a loan? You know, it's it's a really difficult place at the moment for a business owner, I think. Um, yeah,
1: no, definitely.
0: Yeah. So that was a couple of short-term um things, and you, know, I think it's it none of that is rocket science you know everyone can see it on the news can't they at the moment but it's it's useful to have a look at a perspective from what does it mean for a business you know that that phrase of so what um you know is is quite important of all right i do want my staff to come to work but they now can't afford to um so what can i do as a business owner to make it better for them to be able to come to work what how do we manage that is is hopefully at every resilience professional's mind is yeah, you know, so what. And we all talk about the the disruption scenarios of loss of premises. You know, it's like you know, loss of technology, um, loss of supply chain, but loss of staff tends to get lost in the noise a little bit and you go, Oh yeah, yeah, so and so's left. Yeah. All right. But they've left with all that knowledge. So I would urge people to Write it down um, because you just don't know when that person's going to leave and leave you with a gap of of knowledge. Yeah. Okay. um And for everyone listening, you will have picked up that Kirsty was talking about quote her generation. And I do think it's an important thing that uh, you know Kirsty joined us um, from university, been with us a couple of years, so uh, you know, mid twenties ish. Um, and and Kirsty, your generation has always uh, sorry recently struggled with home ownership um and presumably that is equally that whole your whole generation coming through that looks at your grandparents and to an extent your parents and say well when you were my age you'd bought a flat yeah is that the sort of thing that that does get discussed um in in the bars and clubs that um people are, are regretful or do you think it's just accepted as one of those things?
1: Yeah, I think I think now it is it is almost accepted. Um I think you're extremely lucky to be able to get onto the housing market without help from family or friends. Um and it is it's is weighing up the costs and benefits of um the, the cons and benefits, sorry, of renting to uh, to buy, and actually, a lot of people are choosing to rent over buying, and having that ability to move when they want, they've got flexibility um, to move houses, to travel, and especially with um, home working now and remote working um, being a lot more flexible. I think people are definitely jumping at the opportunity to to move abroad and to to move every year or so. So it's definitely something that has changed um, since, like you say, parents and grandparents. Um, a lot of advice has changed unfortunately um so it's it's definitely it's not it's not as easy as before um but it's just it's finding the right research and and looking at it um from different angles i think for sure um, but, it,
0: but and again as a as a business owner, anyone listening or a departmental head, if your workforce is completely flexible because they're in rented property well suddenly that means that they can up sticks and move with minimal impact um, as opposed to if they own a property and they have roots in the community it's much easier sorry it's much more difficult for them to to change those roots because they are tied to mortgages and and so on so uh, again this whole sort of generational difficulty of getting on the housing market has an impact in in everything that we do and you know from the individual's perspective obviously that's brilliant because we're flexible and we can move and and that um, uh, encourages mobility of workforce to go and look for jobs and and for the workforce to migrate to where the great, greatest need is brilliant but if you are the business owner no no I quite like the idea of you know the person I employ having some roots in the community because that suggests a longer term commitment um, yeah and and the poor your know, recent graduates you' know, under 40s if you like you know, the prospect of getting on the housing market is as you say almost impossible um, which is just so so different to what it was okay so really interesting conversation. Kirstie, thanks for all of those those observations. Um, you know, we've only focused there on the immediate term, really. You know, all of those things are in the next month or two, or, or we're let, going through now. Um, obviously, war in Ukraine. Uh, there are dozens of other things out there as a um, resilience professional that one might wish to look at, whether that be uh, you know, subjects like the resilience of our ageing infrastructure, you know, dams, railways, et cetera, and who's going to pay for that in the future, Um, but let's save that for another day. Uh, When we do horizon scanning, I think it is important to think about these things of long-term, you know, population changes, et cetera, cetera. but actually, in the aftermath of COVID, most businesses are fighting for survival in the next month or two, not the next decade or two, so uh, we'll we'll limit it to that for, for today, if that's okay. Yeah, no,
1: definitely.
0: Okay, so that's the end of phase one or part one of of our uh, business continuity podcast. Turning now to the second half of what we said we were going to speak about, which is just a quick conversation about Inveroy Digital. Kirsty, what can you tell me about Inveroy Digital and what can you tell me about your role?
1: Yeah, of course um so i think you just t- touched on it previously so um i joined invoy crisis management um straight from uni um almost approaching two years um Inveroi, um which has been great and my main role with them is invroy digital manager um so we've bit of background on invroy digital um or otherwise known as id and um, so id is an organizational resilience toolkit um it's all web-based And it allows you to respond successfully and recover quickly um, from any sort of disruption. Um, So it's a a web-based platform, like I said before. Um, You answer a simple question and answer set for either emergency response templates. We cover business continuity, business impact analysis, um, and it will auto-generate and auto-populate a document for you at the end which can then be re-uploaded. It's um, very simple and easy to use. We run with a traffic light system and um, that's consistent throughout the whole platform. Um, We've tried to make it as as easy and as guided as possible. So we have help documents throughout. um, We have little little paragraphs um, and everything is backed up with references from ISO. So the whole platform is ISO aligned. Um, and this is really to help those who may not have as much experience in business continuity or emergency response. Um, so that when they're asking, when they're answering these questions for their organisation, you know, they have that support and that knowledge there as well um, from Inverroy. Um, worked- yeah, that,
0: that sounds as though it covers just about everything. Um, so let's just unpack some of those, those things a little bit, if we may. Um, the idea of the help documents, uh, the from my experience of doing a, anything um, business continuity, there are some there's some jargon. Um, and previously, we've tried to bust some jargon with RTOs and MTBDs and MBCOs and all these other things. Is that the sort of thing that we're talking about, or are we being more generic than that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. So we have um, sort of those that are less um, less in depth um discussions and, and explanations and then we go into a few more detailed descriptions so it really depends on what you're looking for whether it's just a refresher or if you're starting from scratch and like you say you've got no idea what an rto um, or anything like that could be um but i mean they're all based on all of inverroy's experience so there's about 300 years plus of combined expertise that have gone into constructing these question sets and also the help documents so there's a lot of knowledge there um that we've put in there for, um, for us to pass on to those, to those that are using the platform.
0: Okay, um, and have you had some success with the, the, the toolkit so far or, or is it just literally in the, um, the rollout phase? W- where are you with the Imbaroy Digital?
1: Yes, yeah, so um, we've got one major, um, major oil and gas client um, that are international um, that have been using the platform for their business continuity. Um, so we've gone through about 30 business impact analyses for them, as well as their overall um, business continuity plan for their organisation. So they had about two years worth of work that they'd done before, um, but they didn't really have um, enough to show for it. They'd had COVID that they'd gone through, other emergency response um, issues that had really taken taken priority over their BC. Um, but we managed to get all their um, BIAs and their BCP done in about three months. Um, so you really shorten down that time scale. Um, it was a lot cheaper for them having us use the platform. Um, and now it's all there for them to go into whenever they want. So their reviews, everything like that is all done on the platform, all the information's there, and they'll just simply log in, check everything's up to date, make any relevant changes, um, and be ready to go for the next year.
0: Okay, so, so you, you've had a chance instead. to prove prove the concept with, uh, with a client. Um, so it's not just a, an idea, it's a proof yes. concept. Um, and presumably the client's happy.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Um, they've done a wonderful testimonial for us, which I'm sure you'll see on our website, et cetera. Um, so yeah, no, they were really pleased with what we managed to achieve um, in such a short time period.
0: So. No, that, that sounds brilliant. So you've covered emergency response business continuity. Obviously, there are other aspects of resilience, and you called it a an organizational resilience toolkit. Um, are there other plans to, to bring forward additional modules or how's that going to work?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, so we've got, um, yeah, ER and BC is all in place, um, but we're also looking at things such as travel risk assessments, um, travel security, general security, and also um, a question set that's going to align with the Martin's Law that should be coming into place, I think around okay. 2023, but there is no, I don't think there's a set date for it yet. Interesting. Um, the, um,
0: sorry, Martin's Law. Just, just remind our listeners, if you could, on the very short um, background for Martin's Law. Why is that important?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, so Martin's Law has come into place after an investigation from one of the parents of the of the victims of the Manchester bombing attacks. So it's been it's been run by them. They've headed it all up, and it's really to look at various counter-terrorism plans for venues that are over two hundred two hundred people plus. Um, So it's looking at evacuation, what structures they have in place already, what improvements can be made. And it's going to be um, compulsory for all venues that that reach that requirement. So it's a big task.
0: So if you have a venue that's got a foot, a maximum capacity of 200, you're going to need a counter-terrorism plan in order that you continue to have a licence. Presumably it's tied to... Um, fire licenses and all the rest of it. it's in the same way that if you want to have people in there you need to do that so we're both based in Edinburgh um, yeah. and thinking the Edinburgh festival is a world-renowned event that you queue up to go into you know comedy or whatever it might be but those sorts of venues as well is that is it pubs clubs everything is, is it's yeah, not no, just I'm... a football stadium it, it's clearly 200 it's quite small
1: yeah, no, it could it could be anything really. Um I think it's really gonna vary. Um there's a lot of information up on the government websites, on various local council websites as well, if you're looking for further detail on it. But yeah, so we're 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 gonna hopefully try and tackle that problem for a lot of organisations that might struggle to do that internally. So they can they can look to us for assistance with that. And hopefully use ID for it. So create a question set. 'll we'll work with um, ambulance and fire and police services to make sure that we're aligned with what they already work with um, and just to get that extra that extra expertise included so
0: okay it sounds as though there's um it's been a, a pretty whirlwind first two years and um, lots more in the pipeline so look forward to hearing what that's um, going to produce and maybe in in a year's time you'll come back and uh, tell us how how it's gone and um, what Inroy Digital has become. That would be uh, that would be great. So that concludes this edition of the business continuity podcast, um, also known as being crisis prepared. Uh, Thank you for listening. Kirsty. thank you for joining us. And um, everybody, please stay safe.